welcome fam, welcome friends and family who are gathered to worship with us. My name is Tony. You guys can call me PT. Uh, I'm the associate pastor here at TLC, and I'm so glad you guys are here to worship with us uh, today. I got a good word for you uh, going as we go through this time here in this season. How's your social distancing coming along, everybody? Right? How's it going along for you guys? How's, how's, it, how's it been? Right? Not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. The first two to three days, I was like, this is great. I love this. Everything is peaceful, no worries, except for the virus that's killing everybody. You know, everything else, though, was just peaceful at home. It was nice to rest, sleep, eat, right? That was the first two to three days. From day four to day six, though, I'm starting to think, like, man, I miss my church. I miss my salt guys. I think I need people in my life, right? And then yesterday, yesterday, I, um, I made pho for the family, and I... I conveniently made it for a lot of people, right, uh, thinking that maybe if it looks like it's too much food, possibly my wife would be like, oh, honey, won't you just call in one or two guys to come over and eat? Thinking that that's going to be like that. But my wife, she was on to me from the start. She was like, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. I'm going to tell you right now, I will eat this for three weeks if I have to. Nobody's coming over, right? So... Of course, she's more level-headed than me. But of course, my wife being like that, yeah, okay. Uh, so if I'm being an introvert, if, I, I, if I'm an actual introvert and I need some company, I'm thinking all my extroverts out there must be dying. So if you're an extrovert out there, press the like, thumbs up button, represent, let everybody know who you are. Man, you are not alone in this very quiet world that we are living in right now. Okay, let people know that you are out there, okay. Um, have you distract? How have you distracted yourself lately? This past week, have you been uh, binging on Netflix? Did you pick up an instrument? Did you uh, learn something new? Where you've been on phone, Zoom, TikTok, social media for the past nonstop uh, uh, week? Did you sleep in till like three in the afternoon? Did you go to sleep at five a.m. Right? Uh, did you just party with yourself and your wife or your significant others? Right? Or is it business as usual for you guys? Right? All those things are great. But, um, I mean, not great, great, but uh, maybe this coming week, this coming week, I'm hoping to have you guys focus on something that's far more significant, right, far more special. And the reason I'm asking this is because the truth that I'm about to share with you today, this truth can only be grasped, actually, in a time of stillness and solitude. And lo and behold, right, we're all stuck at home. So, right, it's the perfect time to share this message. Okay, I pray that after you guys hear this message for this coming week, that the thing that goes through your mind, the one word that I just want you guys to focus on and think about, there's only one word, is the word significance. Everybody look at each other and say significance. Right? All you guys at home online typing, type out the word significance, right? Significance for people to see, right? Significance. That's all I'm asking. Right, if you hear this message, the one thing I'm asking you to focus on for this week is this word, significance. Okay? There's a study that went around um, seeing the transition of what men ask during their, their stages of life. And before the age of 50, men asked a certain question. And after the age of 50, the transition question changed. That question changed for them. Before the age of 50, the question that men usually ask is, have I been successful? Right? 
Did I get that career? Was, was I able to buy that house? Was I, mar- I was able to marry that girl? Was I able to go on those vacations that I wanted? Have I been successful? Is usually the, the question that's been asked early on. And then towards the turning, I'm not saying this is the exact date, but towards the turning of around 50 years old, the question begins to change because the question begins to morph into, has my life been significant? Something happens during this time when people start begin to ask the question. Maybe they start seeing their mortality and they start asking the question, has my life been significant? Have I spent my life focusing and doing what, I matter, what matters most? Have I focused on what is most meaningful? Has my life been significant? Everybody look at each other and say significant again. Okay. My goal today, my goal today is this. I want you to ask that question before you turn age 50. I want you to focus on that question before you turn at the age of 50. And it's so beautiful because here's the thing. That question, the weight of that question, the, the reality of that question does not usually come until there is stillness and solitude within your life. And so in this perfect opportunity as you're just dealing with the crisis and if you're at home, I want you to start asking the question of, significance. Has my life been significant? Am I doing what is meaningful in this life? Everyone on their deathbed, they never look back on their deathbed and said, man, I wish I worked another 24 hours. Nobody on their deathbed said, man, I, I wish I can just go on that one more vacation. I wish I could have bought that five-bedroom house instead of that four-bedroom house. Nobody on their deathbed, deathbed thinks about that. On their deathbed, they ask the question, they start thinking about what was most significant in their life. And so my prayer for my brothers, my sisters, friends, and families is that today as you guys are listening to me, the thing that you guys are going to be focusing on is significance. Three questions. If you're, if you're at home, if you're laying in bed or whatever, you're going to take some notes. It's going to be very simple. I have three questions. I'm going to ask the question, I'm going to answer the question, then I'm going to explain the question, right? Ask, answer, explain. Question one, question two, ask, answer, explain. Question three, ask, answer, explain. You want to take notes, you want to follow along, this will be a perfect time to do it. The first question I'm going to ask is what makes something significant? What makes something actually significant? What gives something actual purpose and meaning? Second question I'm going to ask is how do we find it? And thirdly, it's how do you know you have it, okay? What makes something significant, how do we find it, and how do you know you have it? If you guys are following with me, can you guys open your Bibles to Psalm 46? We're going to read that psalm, and I hope as we're reading Psalm 46, you guys are going to notice something. From verse 1 to 5, we're going to see this kind of description of nature, of creation, of the earth, of the realm of nature, of the realm of the created order. Then from 6 to 9, we're going to see nations, men, people, the realms of dominion of nations and kingdoms, okay? And we're going to see the picture how God is sovereign and triumphant over all those things, okay? So Psalm 46, if you guys have your Bibles open with me, let me read this to you guys. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way. And the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, 
though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nature. Now nations. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord. The desolation he has brought on this earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bows and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. So be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. What makes something significant? What makes something significant is this. Is, is what you are doing a part of God's sovereign and triumphant plan. What makes something significant what makes what you are doing significant is this, is what you are doing. Ask the question, is what I am doing with my life, with my career, with my skills, with my education, with my free time, is what I am doing part of God's triumphant and God's supremacy okay, in his redemptive story? Am I a part of that? Is what I'm doing a part of that story? What we see here in verse 1 through 5 is we see this grand picture that the psalmist is writing. He's saying the nature, the dominion of nature, the dominion of earth, the dominion of this created order cannot stand in the presence of our God. And though it may cause violence and destruction, it has no power before our God. Nature bows to our Father. And then he talks about verse 6 to 9, he, he, he goes into nations of men melt before our God. The dominion of men, the, the, uh, the power of nations, the kings, have no power before our God. And what that means is this, guys, that God is triumphant, that God is sovereign, that God is supreme. He has a story that he is writing from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Genesis is a story of creation, of beauty, brokenness, and God's story of bringing that back, all the way back to his created order. He is trying to bring Eden back. He is trying to bring creation back. He is doing all of these things. And if this is the story, and this is true, and this is real, and God is who he says he is, and this is the story that he is writing, the question that you have to ask is, am I part of this story? Because whether I am, because if I am part of this story, then it tells me that I am part of significance. That what I'm doing has purpose. I know a lot of you guys might be thinking, well, no, no, PT, I find significance in my family. I find significance in my work. I find significance in the things around me. See, the only way that you can find significance in those things is you have to ignore the fact. If this Bible story is not true and you really believe that the world is based off of secular thinking, of, uh, of, of evolution, at the end, and, and there's no, no purpose to life, then the fact that you would hold meaning to your wife, your children, your work, you have to ignore the reality of the world you live in. You have to turn a blind eye to the truth that everything you do really has no meaning. 
Kissing your wife really has no meaning, no purpose behind it. There's no direction towards it. You can, you can feel it at the moment, of course. You can, you can sense it. But the only way that you can live in that moment is you have to ignore the fact that there is no story in a humanistic worldview. But if the biblical worldview is true, if the story of redemption is real, if what God is doing is powerful, then what it's saying is this, brothers and sisters, if you play your part in that story, if you are in there, you have significance. So the question I want to ask you, so what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your career? What's the purpose behind that? What's the purpose behind your family, your children? What's the purpose behind those things? If the biblical worldview that God is bringing redemption to this world, this is the storyline, and we are part of that storyline, what are you doing with your life? If he is sovereign over all things, this is his plan, what are you doing in his redemptive story? That means for all my youth out there, all my youth, right? If Christ is your Lord and Savior, your prayer should be this. I will go, God, when I graduate, and I will do what you have called me to do. Whatever it is, whatever you say, just show me and help me. I want my life to count for you in the midst of uncertainty. That should be your heart's fire. That should be your heart's focus. I get it, guys. You're missing your graduation, seniors. I get it. It's sad, unbelievably disappointing. I will throw you a party if that's what you want. But you know what's more sad? It's missing your purpose. It's meandering through this life, missing the part that God has made you to play, that God has given to you to do. To all my young adult brothers and sisters in every vocation out there who declares that Christ is your Lord and Savior, your prayer should be, speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. I am willing to give you glory in this job. And I'm willing to go to whatever frontier to give you glory. All you have to do is you point me and I will go. But whatever you do, God, do not let me waste my life on insignificant things. Significance, guys. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with this. Life is short, church. It's here one day and advances the next. Are you going to do at least, are you going to ask the question, God, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? And if you're thinking out there, if you're out there, you think, I, I really, I'm, I'm insignificant. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing in my life. I, I feel like I'm purposeless. I feel like God cannot use me. Let me tell you something. Who has bewitched you? And if you say that, it tells me one thing. You have never read this Bible. Because in the scripture, what we see is we see so many insignificant people that God uses. Men would not, without any pedigree, women without any status, that God uses to change and shape the history of the world. You understand that? God has a plan. He's molding it. He's shaping it. He's moving it. And his desire to carry out this plan is through you. It's through the sons and daughters in whom he has called 
to stand up and say, send me, I will go. Use me, I will do. In this season, in this time, what are you doing with your life? What makes something significant, guys? Something is significant when you begin to ask the question, is what I'm doing part of God's redemptive plan? Now, how do we find that? How do we find that? I told you in the beginning of this message, you cannot find significance in a very noisy world. You know why? Because you're not even asking the question. In a very noisy world, you're, not even, you're so distracted by the phones, by, the, by TV, by your work. You're scurrying left and right, and you're not even asking the question. But we find ourselves in a position where we're stuck at home. We're trying to find things to do. We're trying to distract our mind. We're in a position where we're quiet enough to ask the question. We're quiet enough. We're, we're alone enough to ask the question. What is my significance? How do we find it? Look at verse 10. He says this. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in this earth. How do you find it? The only way that you can feel the weight of that question, what am I doing with my life? The only way that you can feel the weight of that, what is this, am I, am I living a significant life? The only way you can feel the weight of that is that you need to be still. You need to be still long enough so that the reality can hit you, so that you can start thinking about further than just tomorrow or the immediate moment. You start thinking about what is the point of all of this? What is the point of this existence? What is the point of me being here? What's the point of me being married, having children, getting a job, having a retirement? What is the point of all of that for? Is it just for the immediate or if I'm part of God's grand plan? He's using me in this place to put this story together. That you would be used by God to do this, but you cannot really get that. You can't get the weight of it unless you are still. Right? There's a, there's a movie called I Am Legend. Great movie to watch. Great movie to watch during this time, actually. Very, very useful. I Am Legend with Will Smith. I love that movie. And it was about zombie. You know, uh, is it zombie? It's a zombie movie. It's a zombie movie. He's like, kind of like the last dude on earth or in New York City. And it took a weird turn towards the end. I didn't see this coming, but towards the end, he was pretty much giving up on this whole existence. He's like, I'm done with this. He's trying to kill himself. And all of a sudden, this girl with a kid drives up, saves him, takes him back to his place. And he was asking her, like, why did you come? What made you come out to the dock that day? And her answer was, because God told me. And you can, you, can, you, can, you can watch the movie and you can be like, what? He's like, he told you what? Right? And this is what she said. She said, the world is a lot quieter now. We can hear him speak a little louder at this time. Right? Watch the movie and see how it ends. Because it's, it's such a great, great illustration of the idea of stillness, of quietness. And in that stillness and in that quietness, you begin to ask the question, Am I living a significant life? Is what I am doing with my money, with my family, with my career, is it really a part of God's redemptive story? 
Can I share with you guys something real close to my heart real fast? Pastor's confession, right? Hashtag. Right? I'm age 36. I'm 36. This is the age my father passed away, right? 24 years ago. And I remember when I turned 36, I had a, I had a really quick prayer before God. I said, God, if I was to die this year like that, right, what would you have me do? If I was to die this year like father, what would you have me do? I'm not going to lie to you. This is kind of weird. It's kind of a little bit, I think it's a little bit supernatural, but I've had a recurring dream four times now. And it's the exact same dream. A little variations of it, but the exact same dream. And the dream goes something like this. I would, I would be walking and meeting people because I would recognize that my, my, my death is coming soon. I'm about to die and I'm meeting people. And in, and in the dreams, each time, there's different people that I meet all the time. I'm just saying goodbye and all that stuff. But the last person I meet is always the same in every one of those dreams. The last person I meet was my son, Seth, five years old. And I remember I would, I would sit there and I would watch him play. And as I sit there and I watched him play, I remember in my dream I, I, was, I was realizing, I was mourning the fact that I would never see him become a man. I was mourning the fact that I would never be the one to teach him how to drive. I was mourning the fact that I would not be the one to see him graduate college, get married, right? I was mourning the fact that I would not be there in a time when a young man needs his father the most. I was mourning. And then Seth would get up, right? He would walk over, and this is what he would say every single time. He would say, it's okay, Daddy. I have everything I need. And I would wake up, right? And when I, when every time I wake up, the question I always ask, what do you mean you have everything you need, right? Like, what do you need? We have no money, right? <laughs> what do you have? And I, and I really believe with all my heart that what God is trying to speak to me about is this. Is that as I live this life is to leave behind a spiritual legacy built on the foundation that my life was seeking and a part of God's redemptive story. That I would leave a spiritual legacy on the context that my life's devotion, dedication, focus, that everything that I do will be a part of God's redemptive story. That I would want to leave, that I want, that I want to leave behind two God-centered sons hopefully growing to two God-centered men, right? I want to leave behind a woman, a wife that is loved, that is cherished, that is honored. I want to leave behind the truth that I've helped Pastor Lynn and the leaders of this church build a community that pushed God's kingdom as far as we're allowed to push it, right? I want to leave behind, I want to, I want to make sure that what I am doing has spiritual significance in the story. And the only way that you can do that, listen, guys, is to be still. I think God knew that I can never be still. I'm always running around. He did it through my, my dreams. I'm not saying that the dreams are real or, or anything supernatural, but I really believe it. I've never had occurring dreams four times before, so an exact same thing come up. But what I'm saying is in the stillness, when we begin to ask the question, what do you want to do with your life? Is your life 
truly significant. How do you find it? In the stillness. What makes something significant? When you put your life in a part of God's redemptive story. And lastly, lastly, how do we know we have it? How do we know we have it? Verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, ever-present help in trouble. Is that you actually believe that. That he is your refuge and that he is your strength. Not your money, not your job, not your career, not your family, but your God is your refuge and your strength in a time of trouble. Look at verse 3. He used the word, the waters roar. Look at verse 6. The nations are in uproar. You know why they do that? Because right after 3 and 6, it tells us what God did. Though the nature was destroyed, God makes a stream of water that flows through his city of beauty and sereneness. Though the nation goes uproar, goes up in an uproar, his kingdoms rebel, God opens his mouth and speaks and everything stays quiet. How do you know you have it? Is that your heart truly believe he is your refuge and he is your strength. He is your plan A and there is no plan B. He is what you turn to. When times come, uh, goes wrong. And this is the beauty, and this is how you know. In times like these, when there's crisis going on, in times like these, when the human character is tested, in times like these, when the real human spirit comes out, when what you truly give your allegiance and devotion to comes out, this is how you know what you find refuge and strength in. Let me give you an example. In this time of crisis, are you staying away from people because you're scared of being sick? Or are you... Staying away from them because of your care and love and service to them. See, there's two different mindsets here. One is self-preservation. The other one is God's redemptive story being played out. Right? During this time, are you hoarding your self-supplies so much so that you're trying to overcome the zombie apocalypse if it happens? Right? Or are you giving yourself away? I read a quote, and it's such a beautiful quote. It says this, It is better that we as Christians should die serving our neighbors than surrounded in a pile of masks that we will never get a chance to use. Right? Are you hoarding supplies, self-preservation, or are you giving yourself away? God's redemptive story being played out. Are you focused on blessing yourself during this time or becoming a blessing? One answer tells you that God is your refuge. The other one tells you that you, whatever world you created, is your refuge. My brothers, my sisters, I want to leave you with this thought. It's a very simple thought. Okay? In this season, when things are still and they're quiet, would you spend this week in whatever routine you want to create, but spend this week asking the question of significance. Everybody say significance one more time. Am I living a life of significance or am I just barely trying to live? Let's pray. Mm-hmm.